PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where board studying continues to be enjoyable. You guessed it. My name is Blake Briggs and I'm joined today by Iltafat Hussein. What's up? This is a continuing series of a collaboration we have with ASEP's peer board review, but with a twist. A twist. What's the twist? What's the twist? Tell us, Iltafat. It's like a question module series that they're doing now. You know, ASEP is modeling their peer cert plus questions after ABM writing. And after the ABM writing process, they're creating questions to mirror how emergency physicians manage specific presentations in their everyday practice. So get into the episode, you know, for every 15 minute episode, you gain high yield board knowledge. We like to say come for the STEM, stay for the content. Right, Dr. Briggs? Oh, yeah. High yield is as always. High yield. Always, yeah. always. Look, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at EM Board Bombs. Honestly, you don't even have to sign up for us on Twitter because I think we've got enough followers now. Right, Dr. Briggs? Yeah. Uh, come if you want to. We don't really need you. I, thousands, thousands. I mean, it's just blowing up. Mm-hmm. It's blowing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a pretty sweet podcast question bank that we created. You can find that at EM Rapid Bombs dot supercast dot tech you'll see that in our show notes but hey let's get into this question i'm pretty excited about the stem oh yeah nothing nothing beats the stem the topic it's just bread and butter <laughs> emergency medicine and asap does give us um uh, some liberties here uh with the question everything else is on their pure cert but uh this question it's all it's all ian board bombs here baby it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember, you come for the stems, but you stay for, stay the, content. for the content. All right, go ahead. Give it to us. A 43-year-old female presents to your ER stating that they have had gallstones for several years and they're having right upper quadrant pain for several years as well. They present saying they're having a horrible gallbladder flare. When you ask what triggers it, they state eating a Taco Bell. When you ask them what prompted this current ER visit, they state the new Cantina Crispy Melt Taco and the Black Bean Cantina Crispy Melt Taco. They made sure to 86 the meat and figured it would be fine. <laughs> but alas, Taco Bell still somehow managed to activate their gallbladder pains. They did not get the side that Taco Bell was offering, those carbs, you know, some of those cinnamon sticks, all those other things that they offer. But, but you ask them to put down their double big gulp full of Coke while you examine them, as it is inhibiting your examination because they have to hold it with two hands. It is not able to be gripped with one hand. On exam, they have a positive Murphy sign. So Dr. Hmm. Briggs, which finding distinguishes ascending cholangitis from acute cholecystitis i was wondering when you were going to bring it back (laughs) that is the step that's the step is it a biliary dilation (laughs) b fever c leukocytosis or d right upper quadrant pain dr briggs what's the correct answer Correct answer here is going to be A, biliary 
dilatation. <laughs> Did I say dilation? Ugh. Yeah, but you know what? When I was in med school, I asked my pathology teacher what the difference between dilatation and dilation was, and he literally looked at me in the anatomy lab and said, one word is to sound more educated. Did you really ask that question? You would. You of all people would ask that question. I would never ask hey, that man, question. I was a curious young child. Hey, look, English was my second language. I was in ESL classes, all right, growing so, up. So, what you say? <laughs> so for yeah, and me, it shows. <laughs> All the editing we have to do in the background. Yeah. All this silliness. The best was when you did the Meckles Diverticulum podcast. Oh, man. I mean, that was just, I, you know, my ESL teachers would have been so proud. They would have been so yeah. proud. Hey, so let's talk about biliary dilatation, Ugh. which is most often identified on ultrasound or CT and is seen in cholangitis and choleodicolithiasis, as well as other obstructive ideologies. So patients with cholangitis or infection of the biliary tract often have additional lab findings of cholestasis. You know, this is the classic elevated bilirubin, AST, ALT. It's really uncommon to see elevated bilirubin and alkaline phosphatase in uncomplicated acute cholecystitis. In fact, I can't tell you the last time I've seen that. When's the last time you've seen that? Nope, nope, nope. And that's something I always kind of, you know, mention to medical students as well when yeah. we're going through a CMP. Oftentimes, just by going through that CMP, you can identify exactly what's going on in these particular cases. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I have to also mention that, but not to medical students. I have to mention it to the radiologist when they refuse to call the tech in at three of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. When they say, hey, we're going to wait for the uh, labs to show leukocytosis before you call the tech in for the gallbladder ultrasound. I'm like, um, no, you're not. No, no. Anyway, so when you see those labs that are elevated, and let's say you did the ultrasound showing gallstones or cholecystitis or cholestasis, and you see elevated alkaline phosphatase or elevated bilirubin, these findings should really raise concern about an obstructive process. Both cholangitis and cholecystitis can present febrile with retiper quadrant pain and leukocytosis. And notably, patients with cholangitis also have cholecystitis. So here is the big thing, and that is you have to look at the labs and look at the patient presentation as a whole. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're talking about a obstructive process. You mentioned that that was the key part here. The findings mm -hmm. should raise concern about an obstructive process, the elevated bilirubin and alkalis. Now, when you start to see things like elevated calcium as well, you throw that in, you have an elderly person. Um, then you start to worry about things like pancreatic cancer and some sort of obstructive process in the pancreas as well causing this i had a recent case like this and i was going through those labs with a medical student and my first thing was all right we're not getting an ultrasound we're going to be getting a ct scan here because i was worried about some sort of oncologic process which unfortunately came to fruition unfortunately but that's another thing just you know it, it might even change the type of imaging modality that you use based on what you're seeing in kind of all the labs and then if you were listening to our pod and seeing our hypercalcemia episode that would be informative as well hey go into cholangitis in the classical presentation here yes yeah, so the class and presentation that med students are pimped on is that charcot triad which is fever jaundice for quadrant pain 
which is so silly because it's less than 50% of patients that have that dryad. Hey, what is it? Charcot? Yeah, it's it's also called the uh, Charcot Crispy Melt Taco Dryad. (laughs) The Cantina Crispy Charcot. (laughs) That sounds like a great menu item. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. The addition of altered mental status and shock defined Reynolds Pentad, which is seen in less than 5% patients, and also signifies the fact that a man named Reynolds, Dr. Reynolds, I'm assuming, really just wanted to name something after himself. So he just added on uh, the severe sepsis criteria and put it into Charcot Triad and made it a Pentad. I, I mean, <laughs> man, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Hey, what's a good way to get published? Well, let me just put, you know, septic shock into any disease condition. <laughs> worsens anyway. mortality <laughs> exactly and they have to know it and they'll and i'll my name will be mentioned in every pimp question for the rest of the medical age <laughs> all right so cholangitis is treated with aggressive hydration obviously and you're basically doing literally all your cms guidelines for sepsis uh, aggressive hydration broad spectrum antibiotic administration blood cultures and then of course consulting the necessary people and here's where it gets weird depending on your institution you're going to talk to your general surgeon, of course, about the gallbladder. If there's cholecystitis or gallstones and they're symptomatic and they look really sick. But if you got concern for common bile duct dilation or labs suggested of biliary dilatation, like alkaline phosphatase elevation, ASD, ALT, or they literally see a stone in the common bile duct, well, you know, getting on the phone and talking to whoever does your ERCP or MRCP would be helpful, like gastroenterology or interventional radiology consultation for biliary tract decompression is important. This really varies by institution. I know some places where the general surgeons do all this. I know some places where GI does some of this and then surgery takes over. So it can be complex, but that's not going to be tested on. Just know that you have to recognize it. Yeah, and oftentimes test questions will say, you know, what's the next best step? You know, starting antibiotics pretty aggressively. Um, and managing the sepsis is really important. Um, so early recognition is a really, really big thing here. So when it comes to like that next best step, one of those is administering IV antibiotics. You need to do that right away, um, mm-hmm. especially in folks who have developed fever or signs of altered mental status. Yeah, the only thing that actually reduces mortality, right? You got it. Yeah. Hey, go over some of these incorrect explanations. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm on Grubhub right now. I'm ordering Taco Bell. So go ahead. I got it. I got it. You know, yeah. I got you covered. It'll take you Thank about you. two seconds. No worries. Yeah. Uh, you want to give all the listeners a Grubhub number? Or is that dumb waiter? I've no. I've never done it before. So so for ASEP's peer cert, they've got this section called incorrect explanations. And we'll go through that. Fever, which was one of the answer choice, that's seen in both cholecystitis and ascending cholangitis. It's not really a way to distinguish the two. Fever is pretty nonspecific finding for cholecystitis, but it really should heighten your suspicion, especially in geriatric patients, because oftentimes geriatric patients don't present with the typical abdominal findings. It can be a bit unclear. So laboratory findings such as liver enzymes and bilirubin may assist in that diagnosis, you know, again, because they don't oftentimes have the reports of abdominal pain. That's why anytime an old person comes in with abdominal pain, it's even more important to be looking at, you know, LFTs, ALEC-FOS as well. Leukocytosis, which was another answer choice, that's expected in cholecystitis and ascending cholangitis. But as we've mentioned before on this pod, the absence of it doesn't rule it out. I think that's really important to know. 
patients with leukocytosis often have an increased number of uh, bandemia, so kind of that left shift. The right upper quadrant pain, that's not a way to distinguish between the two because right upper quadrant abdominal pain, it can occur with various conditions, um, including gallbladder pathology, pancreatitis, renal pathology, hemoperitoneum, and a bunch of other things. Wait, are you saying are you saying that right upper quadrant pain is associated with a list of conditions? I love it when you list things on this podcast. <laughs> Whenever you list something, like everyone, at least I did when I was in medical school, yeah. in residency, and still right, today, right. when someone lists things with more than three items, I'm just like, okay, well, that's not helpful. Yeah, and and also you just stop listening. Yeah, know, for, I'm like, okay, well, clearly that's thing. not right. sp- that's not specific at all. all right. <laughs> Right. Localized tenderness on examination, you know, should prompt consideration of imaging with ultrasound or CT. And again, it just kind of depends on the clinical picture, which one, which modality you choose. Oftentimes, you know, you choose uh, right upper quadrant uh, ultrasound if you're worried more about cholecystitis. And if you're worried more about cholangitis, then CT uh, is oftentimes the preferred modality. So speaking of, you know, pain and specificity, you know, because right upper quadrant pain is not really specific for gallbladders at all, I think the same is true for the opposite. Meaning that if you have a patient with epigastric pain, I've seen it so often where they actually have gallbladder pathology and they have epigastric pain, not true right upper quadrant pain. Maybe, maybe it's because of body habitus. Maybe it's because they're older, you know, geriatric patients and it's difficulty of localization. Uh, or maybe the patient's concentrating on the fact that they're vomiting a lot and their epigastric pain is bothering them. But it's just always important in a story that fits, you know, like recent meal, um, you know, they fit the classic disease schema of gallbladder pathology. Just because they have epigastric pain doesn't mean they can't have biliary issues. For sure. And this is in that classical, like, 75-year-old patient who comes in with nausea, vomiting, um, and fever, um, and no abdominal pain at all. You know, like, is this just some sort of GI bug that, you know, some sort of gastroenteritis? And no, you it's have a to really be vigilant. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Uh, but, you know, we had actually a, a rapid bomb podcast we did, you know, focused in on the different imaging modalities, the sensitivity right. and specificities for them as well. And so feel free to check that out. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes. Hey, uh, let's wrap it up with some key points here. Uh, throw them down, Dr. Briggs, because frankly, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Tired and hungry. Tired and hungry. It's late both. night. I know, right? It's a late night for both of us. Just yeah. Struggling through this. Time to order Taco Bell. So biliary dilatation is not commonly seen in cholecystitis. Point number one. Cholangitis typically has laboratory findings of cholestasis. That's point number two. Point number three. Cholangitis often has ultrasound findings of biliary dilatation, such as increased size of the combo duct. And point number four, check liver enzymes and bilirubin in geriatric patients with fever due to an unclear source. Yeah, and just to emphasize that, you really shouldn't be getting a BMP on no. a geriatric patient with fever. I mean, it should always <laughs> no. just be a CMP. I mean, that's just, right. that would be a really, that'd be a rookie move right there. Yeah, I've pre- just to simplify it, especially for early learners, I get a CMP, when it's a really sick patient, now I just you know want to be broad with my differential and or any complaint below the diaphragm. Yep, for sure. That's a pretty good summary of it. For sure, I like it. All right, Doctor Briggs, as Taco Bell would say themselves, it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> I know. 
Thanks for listening to us. No, seriously, it's been an amazing past year. Uh, we've seen a lot of folks coming to our website and checking out all the handouts that Dr. Briggs and his team have put up. Uh, we've had a lot of growth on our podcast, emrapidbombs.supercast.tech. Feel free to check that one out. It's rapid fire questions distilled down in less than five minute question answers um, where we go through board review material and just life material as well. It's been pretty awesome to see uh, that kind of premium podcast uh, explode and we appreciate all the support everyone's given us there. And yeah, Twitter and social media has really blown up as well. Um, So it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And we look forward to our continued work with ASAP and uh, hopefully future collaboration with Taco Bell. Yes. Yeah, they're actually calling us right now, although I think it's their lawyer. I don't think it's that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we know that Taco Bell has a huge market in the night shift uh, healthcare staff community. Yeah, I know. Come on. Seriously. And we, we also know it's a reason why there needs to be a night shift staff <laughs> available. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you later. See ya.